o'clock. Thanks for joining us. It's Mav Day. We talk with Colorado Mesa coaches and players. Coming up, Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team. They play Colorado School of Mines tonight. Also, Chris Hanks, coach of the Maverick baseball team. Montana State Billings comes in on Thursday. Game we'll have on the team. And then, of course, the Maverick men. They open up the RMAC tournament at home tonight against Metro State right here on the team. CMU Sports Network will talk with Mike DeGeorge coming up in just a little bit. And time right now to talk Maverick basketball with women's coach Taylor Wagner. Talking Colorado Mesa women's hoops with Mavs coach Taylor Wagner on the team. And with us right now on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, Taylor Wagner. Taylor, good morning. Appreciate the time on a busy Tuesday. You bet. Thanks for having us. Always great to talk with you. Uh, Your team coming up with that big win at Western. Boy, that was uh, much needed after that loss to Westminster the night before. But you go to Gunnison, always a difficult place to play, and you're able to punch your ticket into the tournament. Just kind of take us through that those back-to-back days of, of basketball with Wednesday at home and then at Gunnison on Thursday created a, a unique situation, midweek basketball games for you, and a game you really had to win to solidify your spot on Thursday night. Yeah, you know, the Western or Westminster game, uh, we just kind of came out flat in that first quarter. Um, you know, they go up, I think, 11 or 12 on us, and we just never recovered from that. And We looked a little flat and uh, just not the way I wanted to respond, you know, because we really could have punched our ticket that night and, and especially on our home floor and against Westminster. Um, but the girls responded the next night, and, uh, you know, we kind of were controlled our own destiny. We win. We knew we were in. And and uh, I, I felt like, you know, it's been a couple of years since we've won down there, since, uh, you know, Sid Brandon's year when we won the, won the tournament and the regular season um, championship. And, and uh, so we kind of talked a little bit about what it takes to win down there and difficult place to play and, you know, the first quarter we responded, and Monica scored our first seven points. And from there, we just kind of we rode it all the way till the end. And and so I was really happy for our girls. They worked really, really hard to get to this spot. And uh, you know, now we get to keep playing. It's a new season, and anything can happen. Yeah, fifty-nine to forty-eight win at Western with Olivia Reed, who is once again the RMAC Defensive Player of the Week. 11 points, she had 14 rebounds, she had four blocks, she came up huge in that game. Mentioned Monica Brooks, 11 points and, and nine rebounds in that contest, Taylor. But uh, Laura Gutierrez, who's had a really good stretcher at the end of the season, she's become such a valuable piece as your sixth man coming off the bench, uh, what she can do in terms of hitting threes. Uh, she had 15 points, she had a couple of threes that were really big in that game Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, she's, as of late, like you said, she's playing a lot better and and just getting more comfortable, uh, you know, coming in, she, she had played a lot of different roles because of all the injuries. And we had the one, she's new, then two, we move her to the point guard spot. And, uh, then we move her back to the wing when we picked up Megan pose, uh, at the break. And then Megan had some issues, uh, with her knee a little bit. And so we had to move her back and now she's back at the wing. And so we really probably haven't done a great job handling her and, in her position, and but as of lately, I mean, she's really comfortable shooting it now. And just before, you know, she played at Adam State, and the reason we, you know, wanted her was she was a great three-point shooter, and we thought that she could really complement our team. Uh, and uh, you know, she's starting to do that as of lately. And you mentioned the free throws; she's 
been our most consistent free, uh, free throw shooter all year long, and, and I was able to step up and make some big ones there at Western. You go back to earlier this season when you were one and nine overall, and you were zero and four in the in the conference at one point. I mean, to to get this team, you know, considering the talent you've you lost in the last couple of years, to get this team with that record, what it was into the Armac tournament, has to be. I think I probably asked this question before, but I'll ask it again to you. Has to be one of your more satisfying coaching jobs because you've you've had to overcome some youth, had to overcome some injuries, uh, obviously a rough start to get this team into the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I haven't thought about myself. <laughs> you know, it's just like how can we get better and, and everything. But I, I do remember kind of a turning point. We we played Regis December tenth. And after that game, you know, we were sick that weekend. We played UCCS and Regis, and on the way back, I'm like, what do we need to do? And and uh, on Monday, I just went in, hey, we're going from worst to first. That's what we're going to do. And I I wanted to give them a goal that they could be excited about. And, you know, from that time, you know, we haven't been perfect, but we've been a lot better. And, and uh, you know, and, and now we're at where we need to be and. We've just got to get one more game and then another game and get ourselves in that championship spot. But, you know, I think that was the thing is we just needed these kids to believe in something. And, and uh, you know, they've been playing a lot better as as of lately. And they're just feeling – they're more comfortable in their roles than, than they ever have been. And um, so, you know, all the way back on that lonely bus ride from uh, Denver on, on the 10th, um, you know, I was thinking, how are we going to turn this around? Because it could have gone really bad. <laughs> like you said, we were 1-9, and nine and, I, you know, you could tell we were right there. But any time we needed a break, we just weren't getting it. And uh, so I'm really proud of this team for not giving up. Cotterman Mesa women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner with us on the Team Sports Network. And, and I think one of those crucial victories that, that came this season for you, Taylor, was the win at then number 12, Cotterman School of Mines, your opponent tonight. We're able to, to go there and, and get the victory over them, which I think kind of sent a message to your another message to your team and the rest of the conference with that fifty nine fifty two win that the Maverick women have turned a corner here. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, this that's a tough place to, to win, and and uh, the girls had a great night. They're they're just believing, and that, I think that was the biggest thing. They needed to know that you know they were a good team. And, uh, we, we you know we had a couple games, three or four games all year where. It came down to one or two possessions that we should have won. And I, th- I think that kind of hurt them a little bit. But th- that game of mine, it kind of solidified them. It's like, hey, we can play with anybody now. And, and our defense has really, really picked up. Um, you know, I, I remember at that time in December, we you know, we were looking at all the stats and everything. And, I mean, we were like dead last. We were 15, 14 in, in every category in, in our conference. And now, you know, like, we're number two in defense uh, points per game. We're number one in defense field goal percentage, and our free throw percentage went up about twenty uh, percent. And uh, so they're just, you know, they're believing, and, and they have data now to back it up. Like, hey, you guys are a legitimate team, and, and so it's fun to see them and, and the excitement they have, and, and uh, the word of the postseason. I mean, that's huge. It's it's really hard to get here. You know, there's fifteen teams. And not everybody makes it, and uh, you know, the testament to them and the start that they had, and how they finished it right now. Maverick women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner with us on the Team Sports Network.
and with the ore diggers, they, they won in your home floor. They were able to pick up the 67-55 victory when Ashley Steffick had the double-double in that game. I referenced the game that you won over in Golden. So it's uh, it's been a case where home court advantage hasn't necessarily worked out in the two games this season for for you and the ore diggers. We have them right where we want them. Then. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're in the right place at the right time right going right in Golden right. tonight. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you got to throw out everything right now. It's a new season, and and really, you know, going back on previous year, the toughest teams win, and we've we've got to be able to come in and defend and rebound. They're they're a great rebounding team. Um, they they turn you over a lot, and so we we've, we've got to play a disciplined game as well. But the the toughest teams survive at this point in the season, and and that's who we've got to become. And, and uh, showcase tonight that uh, you know we can play with them, and, and you know it, the pressure's on them. The, the pressure's all on them to to go and win. You know they were first pretty much the whole year long, and just kind of faltered here as of late. But uh, you know we just want to go and, and be able to you know stick around and play on Friday. What was the difference for your team in the win there as opposed to when you lost to them at home? Well, you know, I mean, it was close all the way. And, uh, you know, and I know third and fourth quarter, the lead changed a couple times, but the girls didn't panic. And, you know, previously in the year, you know, we'd make a bad couple plays and then we just kind of like, you know, we'd lose all confidence. And they just kept grinding in that game. And, and uh, you know, getting to the free throw line is going to be critical. I know we went there a lot the first time, but we just can't give up easy buckets against this team. But, you know, from the mental standpoint too it's just you know they didn't crack and they kept coming even when they were down a little bit and made play after play they're five and two in the last seven games and all time the mavericks hold a, a dominant like 61 to 19 all-time uh, you know, record against the Colorado school of mines but they've they've been really good the last seven though this year like i said you, you split you got the win the last time there and hopefully, Taylor, this time uh, uh, you're able to, to continue that uh, road success over in Golden coming up tonight. I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Taylor, I appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much, and, and good luck tonight to you and the, and the Maverick women when you take on Cover School of Mines. You bet. Thank you. All right, Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team, joining us today on the Jim Davis Show. And uh, once again, we'll have coverage tonight. Uh, we'll have, it start, it'll start at 5 o'clock. We'll give you an expanded pregame with Joe Hill. Because we'll have the women at 5.30, and then we're going to join the men in progress following the conclusion of the women's game. We'll have the men's game tonight when the Mavericks take on Metro State. We'll talk with uh, Mike DeGeorge coming up later on this hour. So uh, make sure you, you stick around for that as the Maverick men take on Metro State tonight here on the Team CMU Sports Network. But uh, yeah, 61-19 and 19 all-time, the Maverick women hold a, a, a huge advantage. But uh, said 5-2 and two in the last seven games for... Um, Cover School of Mines over the Maverick women. But, hey, they just won there two and a half weeks ago. Yep. And certainly they they it's a team that is playing much better basketball. That's why the Westminster game was such a disappointment on the defensive end because they played so well defensively. Yeah. And they did not play, at least that starting unit did not play well defensively in the loss to Westminster. Definitely a much better effort the next night at Western Colorado to uh, punch their ticket into the RMAC tournament, which starts tonight. All right, text or call 970-242-1340. Got Chris Hanks coming up in just a little bit. You know, I was reading about the pitch clock, mm-hmm. and I, I saw an article 
on um, on this uh, from a baseball writer about not liking the pitch clock, but learning to kind of accept it and embrace it. And I, and I think when we talk about uh, you know about these rule changes, I mean you you've always been very you question things like the the runner at second, yeah, uh, extra innings rule. You've always you've you've been critical of that. But even you're coming around, as you mentioned last hour. A little, you're, yeah. You're coming around on that a little bit. I I much rather would have gone them gone the other way because to me, the pitch clock doesn't change the game. It speeds up the game. It makes you make decisions faster. It makes you be more focused, pitch in, pitch out, as both a player either side, pitching, hitting, defense. And as a fan, the the extra inning rule to me just n- stood out like a sore thumb because they didn't do anything. They wanted to speed up pace of play. They wanted to speed up games. They didn't want games going to 16, 17 innings because the game would be too long at that point, right? They didn't do anything to speed up the first nine innings, which is where the problem lies, right? Oh, these last two innings, they took 45 minutes to complete. Well, that's a pace of play issue, not the fact that we don't have a runner at second to start. This game was six hours long. Yeah, but it was 17 innings. If you break that down, that's three innings an hour. That's actually moving pretty good speed. That's three hours to get through nine innings, which is the limit they want to get under. So that's why I always had the problem outside of the fact that it changes the game. It, I don't even know the word for it. Sure. It changes the game to such an extent to where tenth inning is a completely different game than the fourth inning, and it, other than the score being tied, it shouldn't be. Right. But now that they've sped it up, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe this is now back on the table to be eliminated because games are going to be closer to two and a half hours and three and a half. And so, what about the players, particularly pitchers? Because well, it impacts a hitter. Mm-hmm. This really does impact the pitchers probably the, the most, as opposed to a yeah. hitter. And so, what kind of impact does it have? And do they like it? Max Scherzer, guy that you and I both mm-hmm. admire greatly. Max Scherzer of the Mets. He says he likes the pitch clock. He says really the power the pitcher has now. I can totally dictate pace. The rule change of the hitter having only one timeout changes the complete dynamic of the hitter and pitcher dynamic. Yeah, I love it. Scherzer says he's learned to play around the pitch clock. That I've always wanted to work quick. The only reason I've never been able to work quick is because the hitter would always call timeout. Mm-hmm. Because we think a lot of times pitchers, oh, they just work slow because they just they prefer that pace. Right. And some guys, some in the case guys of Scherzer, do. Some guys do just work very deliberately, very slowly. Rafael Betancourt, human yeah. brain delay. You know, but it's like, come on, let's go here. Scherzer's a guy, if you're in the box, he's ready to go. He's ready to go. And that's why, you know, even growing up, what'd you hear? You got he's he's in rhythm, step out. Get him out of rhythm, yeah. Get him out of rhythm. Now you really can't do that anymore. You can you do know? it one time. Yeah. And that's and it. On the other side of that, a pitcher ha- can step off once during an at bat. But if he does it again, he's got to record an out, or it's a balk. It's not even throw over anymore. No, it's right. The fake, the the, the JUCO flip of the hand. Yeah, they, like uh, hello, 
can't do that anymore. You got to record an out or it's a buck. That, I think, is not getting nearly as much play than the pitch clock. That is going to come into play, I think, maybe more with the running game and pitchers who, like John Lester, the anti-John Lester. John Lester would never throw over to first base because he really couldn't, even yeah. though he's left-handed. It's going to screw with weird. those guys that were always the, all right, we'll, we'll step off and look because that catcher, the Sunday catcher, is two steps off the bag. I'm going to look. Oh, he's back. You can't do that anymore. So about hitters, because we've heard from Max Scherzer, likes the pitch clock because mm-hmm. he feels like he can work at a pace that he's accustomed and to. And anybody that's been in the minors for one reason or another, rehab starts, late call-ups, you know, development. You've been exposed to The last to this. two years, you've been doing this. Yeah. Aaron Judge. What does Aaron Judge think about it? He says, I like it. I think you kind of play around with it a little bit. I think it definitely speeds up the game. Anything that mm-hmm. kind of keeps the pitcher moving and on the go and hopefully keep him out of breath, I'm looking forward to it. Aaron Judge also wants them to put the fences on rails to where the deeper into the pitch clock, the closer the fences get. So, like, when it gets to one, the fences are right at the dirt cutout on the backside because it's kind of like playing at Yankee Stadium. Right. The fences are, you know, 100 feet past the base. So, what about guys that don't like it? Manny Machado says he's got some adjusting to do. By the way, he's close to finalizing an <laughs> yes, 11 year, $350 million extension. He's, he's he'll also go down the first history. guy popped. He goes down in history as the first big leaguer, been in spring training, but still yeah. goes down as the first guy ever to be called out for a pitch clock violation. Yep. I, I, I do. He's not really railing against it, right? He's kind of in the, it's part of the rules. I guess you got to adjust. But he says, he's not crazy about it, though. He's not crazy about it, but he's also like, Guess I'm going to be in a lot of 0-1 counts this year. <laughs> Which is awesomely self-aware, I think. Exactly. And then he also had a new Cubs shortstop, Dansby Swanson. Mm-hmm. He told reporters that the pitch clock is pretty freaking quick. He says the pitch clock should change from 15 seconds to 18 seconds where there, there isn't any runners on base. And he's hoping that it's not the end-all, be-all, that there's some room for tweaks to, for example, that that change to 18 seconds moving forward. I think there's room for tweaks, but if 15 seconds is too fast, what's three 18 is not really going to be that much longer. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, my question to Dansby Swanson is, what are you going to do with that extra three seconds? So what do you feel where like? where do you stop? Uh, 18 seconds is too short. Can we get 20, 21 seconds? Can we get 25? And they keep negotiating upward, yeah. right? Till it's like, it's 30 seconds. I need 30 seconds. And Stop really, it. you, the 15 seconds kind of goes quick, but if the pitcher gets the ball, you dig in and you're ready to go. You're looking at the pitcher instead of, you know, how's my hair look? How's my, is my helmet fitting just right? Do I have enough pine tar? My batting gloves, my gloves. wristband, I got to kick and get the dirt. Got like a little, here. like yeah. no more like ritual of the yeah. batting gloves. and It's going to eliminate the guys looking ridiculous with the hand up. Not ready. Digging in, getting there, you know, getting their trench digging tool kit out. Like let's they're let's go, Normandy, boys. And they're just digging let's in. Let's go. And, and then they're going to score corkscrew into the earth. It's going to prevent all that ridiculousness from happening. And if Dansby Swanson can't from catch to, all right, I'm ready to hit in seven seconds, that's on you, buddy. That's on that's this your problem, This is pal. your job. You should be ready to do your job 
when they play ball. All right, I'm ready to hit. Let's ready do to go. it. Let's I'm, between, go. I'm between the lines. I'm in the box. Let's go. Every pitch, I'm locked in. And if you're not, then maybe the Cubs shouldn't have given you all that money. Yeah. Also, a Rockies reliever, Daniel Bard, he had called for a ball after throwing a warm-up pitch after the 30-second deadline between or heading into the inning. So apparently there was a problem during the Cardinals-Marlins game with that. Two Cardinals pitchers were called for balls before the start of innings. Before. And then the umpires gathered and realized they interpreted the yeah. ruling correctly. That might just be C.B. Buckner hates Carlos Marmol, though. Could, could be. Or Oliver Marmol, whichever his first name is. <laughs> All right, 921. You've got some thoughts on that today, the pitch clock. Have you watched any it's gonna be minor league baseball? By the way, uh, Rockies get the win against Oakland yesterday. Chris Bryant first. Yeah. Spring training on Pace run. yourself, buddy. Yay. And Peter Lambert, two scoreless innings yesterday. That's more noteworthy, I think. Absolutely. To me, anyway. But uh, the Rockies get Texas today. We'll have Rockies, Kansas City Royals tomorrow on the team. Spring training baseball, Jack Corgan and Jerry Schimmel. 12.55 tomorrow for that one. Chris Bryan's picture on BaseballReference.com looks like, can you believe I'm stealing all this money? <laughs> $182 million? They gave me $182 million. Yeah. <laughs> Can't I got it. paid almost $30 million to play 42 games last year. you believe this? <laughs> yeah. This racket is great. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk some Maverick baseball with skipper Chris Hanks. That's next on the Jim Davis. Listening to the Jim Davis Show on the Team 101 FM 1340 AM Grand Junction. Talking CMU baseball with Mav skipper Chris Hanks on the Team. And with us right now, the Chick Fil A Breakfast Team phone line. He's the coach of the Cotterman Mesa Mavericks baseball team. Chris Hanks joins us. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Your team on the road. You went out to to Chico and kind of an impromptu series because of your series getting canceled here uh, in Grand Junction because of the snow against uh, Southern New Hampshire. But uh, you go out and take on Chico, uh, an old foe uh, from back in the day, and you also had Northwest Nazarene. Let's go back to that Chico series where you, you get a win in uh, the three game series, uh, the four to one victory to wrap things up against Chico State. But uh, kind of tell us how that all came together, getting the chance to play Chico State once again. Well, Chico was trying to schedule us in the fall on that particular weekend, but we were full of Southern New Hampshire. And so when we got canceled, we reached out. They still had availability, and it was just a matter of us, you know, being able to get uh, a trip together and go. And so we used uh we dipped into our fundraising account and we flew out there and it was it was a tough trip for the guys you know it was a long trip and we played a very good team and really our two losses came down to a bad one bad inning in each uh, of the two losses uh which has kind of been the story here the last few games so that's uh something we'll have to correct but you know we got the guys into 70 degree temperatures that was nice we saw green grass and uh you know it was a comfortable situation playing so that end of it was good and you got a good performance in that uh that last game of the series from cole seward went five innings gave up one run on four hits and then anthony anthony durbano came on and, and closed the game out with a good kind of old school goose gossage two inning uh save opportunity or closed it out for you in that uh, situation as he picks up the save his second save of the season but both seward and durbano uh, both uh, pitching uh, very well in that final game against chico state yeah, they did. We had a bunch of guys pitch well. You know, as I mentioned, uh, 
it just came down to in the two losses, uh, one inning in each game where things kind of got away with us, uh, from us with some errors and some walks, and then you know you put a they get a big hit on top of those mistakes, and uh, sometimes it gets hard to shut that down. And then on the road once again, you go from uh, California to Chico. You go to uh, Nampa, Idaho to take on Northwest Nazarene. And uh, unfortunately, just getting one win in the four-game series, you picked up a win in the first game of the doubleheader uh, on, on Friday with that 8-1 to one victory. But uh, said a couple of uh, tough opponents on the road, and unfortunately the results were not what you guys were looking for. No, they weren't, but we found out a lot about our ball club. You know, very tough conditions, a lot of travel. Uh, the weather conditions in Idaho were terrible. So, you know, it wasn't a comfortable, you know, uh, game-playing scenario for either club. And probably on, on the first day Thursday, we probably shouldn't have even played, but we pushed the issue a little bit. I think it was it was a feels-like 25 degrees outside with 20-mile-an-hour winds uh, blowing in our dugout. It, was, it were tough conditions. Uh but our guys were competitive. We had opportunities to win all four games. Uh, but again, the big inning uh, was kind of our nemesis. Chris Hanks, coach of the Maverick baseball team with us. And now, Chris, it's uh, Montana State Billings uh, coming to town. Montana State Billings, uh, they played a game at West Texas A&M and uh, got uh, throttled 22-5 to and then faced CSU Pueblo. Uh, took two out of three in that series against the Thunderwolves. So uh, Montana State Billings, uh, they come in with a little momentum after uh, beating one of your RMAC rivals. Yeah, you know, and they put it to Pueblo yesterday, I think 19-2 to two or something like that. They're, they're typically an offensive team, and, uh, you know, we're doing some scouting on them right now. But basically, in our situation, coming off a disappointing weekend, uh, you know, this is we, we got to rebound and refocus and, uh, it's our last opportunity to kind of shore things up before conference play begins. They come in hitting 285 right now. From like you said, from an offensive standpoint, uh, Montana State Billings—that's kind of what they've always built their their ball clubs around. Yeah, they uh, they tend to have some big swings, and they they play for big innings in terms of uh, the home runs and the doubles. So we'll have to combat that. I think we have some pitching that can do that. I think we'll be fine as long as. Uh, we don't, uh, you know, we don't create our own big innings from the standpoint of pitching behind, walking people, or hitting people, committing errors. Uh, if 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 we can avoid those things, I believe we'll be okay. Caden Kirschenbaum has been uh, their best bat, hitting three fifty nine. He's got uh, nine RBIs, three home runs right now. So, uh, like I said, you're you're still doing your scouting on Montana State Billings, but he's a guy whose numbers kind of uh, initially stand out. Yeah, they have a few of those kids, and then they have a couple really good arms on the mound. Uh, I assume we'll see in the first two games, but I don't know for sure where they'll place them because uh, they're on a trip uh, similar to what we did last week. You know, they're uh, they're in Pueblo right now. They're driving over here tonight. They're going to work out at our field tomorrow, so they've kind of turned the trip into a spring trip. So rotation uh, pretty much going to stay what it's been for the first, last couple of series, or any changes there, Chris, in terms of what you and, and Jeff Rogers are looking at? Yeah, we're going to change it up this week. We're going to uh, we're going to go with uh, a young a man, a freshman named Liam uh, Hohenstein, game one, and then we're going to put Cannon Handy in game two, and Seward in game three, and Jacob Rhodes in game four. All right, Chris, we appreciate the time as always. Chris, we'll have Thursday's game. On the Team CMU Sports Network, uh, the Mavericks take on Montana State Billings pregame 
at 2.15 with first pitch at 3 o'clock from the, the Diamond at the Bergman Sports Complex coming up this Thursday. Mesa Baseball right here on the team. Appreciate it, Chris. As always, good luck coming up this weekend. Thanks a lot, Jim. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Chris Hanks, coach of the Maverick Baseball team, joining us right now. Look, it's a little bit like for for Chris, like the women and Taylor Wagner lost a lot of talent. Yeah, you got to kind of feel your way through the early season to figure out who you are. Yeah, with with Hayden McGarry's graduation, mm-hmm. you know, Jordan Stubbings, Caleb Farmer, I mean, the list goes on and on, of uh, Spencer Bramwell. I mean, of all that offense that when you and I did that that first game of the season, yeah. that uh, against Azusa Pacific, all that, that offense that they lost. And, and I know Devil's Advocate is going to be like, well, I mean, that's, these guys are not necessarily new to this team. They've all been here for years and years. There's Julian Boyd and Conrad Villafuerte and Harrison Rogers and Robert Sherrar and all these guys. But, you know, coming in and getting two or three at-bats a night when you're up 17 runs is different than you have to create those 17 runs. Exactly. You know, and not saying they can't. It's just different spots in the lineups, different roles. Conrad Villafuerte, who was an off-the-bench piece, occasional starter the last couple of years, he's hitting three fifty-seven. It's not like he's necessarily, you know, we had him on the show a couple weeks ago. It's not like the offense is necessarily dragging along. It's just they're playing somewhat decent teams in conditions that are not great or on the road against really good teams. With the guys in a lot of new roles, it's going to take some time to get it figured out. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's look, by the time RMAC play begins, mm-hmm. you know, that the Chris and Jeff yeah. Rogers will have the, the, the pitching, their rotation, you know, pretty much locked in. The guys will get better offensively. It's just, you know, it, it's just a matter of time. And because, like I said, the, the talent you had to replace, mm-hmm. talking about a national play, two time national player of the year. Yeah. And Hayden McGarry, not just not just say guy, and guys around him that were really good. Caleb Farmer, you know, played for the the GJ Rockies, now the Jackalopes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are guys that are moving on to play minor league baseball. Likewise for Hayden McGarry, and they're talented guys, and those guys are just not that easy to replace right from the jump. And so, yeah, there's a a feeling out process right now for the Maverick baseball team. There's no doubt about that. There's eight guys with at least twenty at bats. And four of them are hitting over 345. So, I mean, they're doing all right. It's There's a lot of new faces in the pitching rotation. I mean, they're hitting 310 as a team right now. You know, and that, normally that gets the job done. But it's also, you got new faces in the pitching rotation, new faces they're seeing, new, a lot of newness. Well, Mavs that takes t- a while to get some, getting used to. I love being one of the better offensive teams in the RMAC. The Mavericks typically have had one of the better pitching staffs, usually a, a top five, mm-hmm. if not a top three pitching staff in terms of ERA. I mean, they're at 5.52 right now, which is not where they normally are. Yeah. They just don't have the guy yet, and it's early, so they may have it by the end of the season that you point at. It's like, that's the dude right there, like a Ryan Day or you know, Andrew Morris, those type of guys. Right. They just haven't found him yet on the staff. All right, coming up, we'll talk with Mike DeGeorge, Colorado Mesa men's basketball coach. Mavericks, the RMAC regular season champions. Thank you, Colorado School of Mines, for that. Yeah. 
Mike's so but not wife. for the women. Yeah, no, not for the women, but but for the men. And for Mike to George's wife, it was her birthday last weekend. Sounds like uh, Coach got a birthday present as well, a uh, RMAC regular season championship. Yeah, he did. It's that's today, right? That's is that what I saw? What's that? Mike's birthday. Was well, it was his wife's birthday last weekend? Well, I th- I thought I saw that that was maybe, today. Maybe it is his birthday today. I'm not sure. You can, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. There's no telling. Anyway, he got the gift of an RMAC regular season championship mm-hmm. and getting the chance to be at home this week for the RMAC men's basketball tournament. So I'll talk with Mike DeGeorge coming up a little bit. It's Bly Madris's birthday tomorrow. Well, happy almost uh, birthday, Bly. Not tomorrow because that would be March the 1st. February 29th is Bly's birthday. DNVR tweeted that out. I'm very so good. it's, yeah, celebrate today and tomorrow. Take them both. Okay. All right, text or call the show, 970-242-1340. Mike DeGeorge coming up in just a couple of minutes. And uh, still time for you to text and get some thoughts about, uh, are you on the team, Sean Payton knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. I trust Sean Payton. Are you on team, I can't believe some of these guys that he's hiring for the coaching staff. I don't think he knows what he's talking about. If you have some thoughts on that today, text or call us, 970-242-1340 on the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line. Sorry, this is way, way off topic. But I think our, our dude Joe's birthday is February 29th. I believe I heard that talking to him at one point. I zoned out because we weren't talking about my birthday. We were talking about his. But I believe it's February Joe. 29th. Joe Vito. Oh, Joe Vito. Our, our guy Joe. Our, our, our guy Joe Vito. Okay, I'm like, Joe. Joe Romano? Or? No. Our our guy. Oh, I did get... I got this sent to me by Baker Geist that used to work with us years oh, ago. Baker. Love Baker. Funny dude, and he's yeah, really funny guy. Lives over in the front range these days, over in the, the Greeley area, and believe he's a public information officer for one of the departments over there. But he sent me this of like the top fifty Wyoming football players all time. Mm-hmm. Joe Romano makes it in to that list. Nice, very nice. Appreciated him sending that to me. All right, so we'll take a break. We'll come back. Mike to George coming up in just a moment. But it's time for. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, we go back to 1960. The U.S. beats Czechoslovakia to win gold at the Winter Olympics. They pick up a 9-4 win in the gold medal. The Winter Games at Squaw Valley, California. The U.S. was down 4-3 after two periods. And then Roger Christian scores three times the hat trick in the third. His brother assists on two of those three goals as the U.S. wins Olympic gold in 1960. 1971, Jack Nicholas wins the PGA Championship. 1987, Chick Hearn, broadcaster for the Lakers, calls his 2,000th consecutive game. That's just incredible. 2,000 stray games for the late uh, Chick Hearn. 1999, Venus and Serena Williams, first sisters win the WTA Tour, 2010, Sidney Crosby scores a game winner to lead Canada over the U.S. at the Vancouver Olympics to win the gold medal in a 3-2 victory. All right, 937, and Mike DeGeorge joins us next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Touchdown every morning. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Colorado Mesa men's hoops with Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge on the team. 
Joining us right now, the Jim Davis Show on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. He's the coach of the RMAC regular season champion, Colorado Mesa Mavericks men's basketball team, Mike DeGeorge. Mike, that's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? It does. It does. Now, imagine this last weekend. It was your wife's birthday, and you're celebrating, obviously, her birthday. But sounds like you and your team, and you and your your coach Kyle Boucher, your players, you got you got a nice little presence yourselves with that upset win by Mines at Fort Lewis, which gives you guys the RMAC regular season title and the chance to host the RMAC tournament. Yeah, it was uh, you know it's kind of nice to be able to uh, get the games out of the week Wednesday and Thursday last week, get two wins, and then sit back and. Uh, see how the weekend unfolded, and it obviously worked out in our favor. So how excited were you and your players about 9 o'clock on Saturday night? I was weirdly nervous during the game, which is funny because, you know, it's like when you're not a part of it, you, you don't have any control. <laughs> you get more <laughs> nervous. I was like, mine's is not going to blow this, are they, down the stretch? So, uh, But uh, it was that was kind of a weird reaction for me. I was pretty nervous through that whole second half, but... Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's obviously <laughs> the group's worked really hard, and we felt like that opening weekend we'd sort of shot ourselves in the foot in a way that kept us from uh, really having a legitimate chance. And to be able to not only battle back but just improve the way they have has really been remarkable and a uh, very memorable um, run here in the second half of the season. Did you shoot prior or a text saying, thanks, appreciate that? You know, I, I didn't. <laughs> I gave it some thought, but... <laughs> Sometimes end of the season, we're going to be facing them a lot. We, we, I just figured it was better. Yeah, that. yeah. You, you can yeah. think you can think that. Hey, thanks, Mines. Appreciate that. But yeah, not not exactly sending him a text. Uh, well, <laughs> your team, as you mentioned, you had the chance to to, to sit back and watch uh, you know Fort Lewis play, and uh, you know they they fell to Mines, of course, on on Saturday night, which gave you guys the RMAC regular season title. But you finished strong at Western. Tough stretch where you played Wednesday against Westminster, got the win there. And then went up to Gunnison and won 83-67. Trevor Baskin, who didn't have a big night the night before against Westminster, had a really big one Thursday night. 28 points, 5 rebounds. Blaze 3, another sensational game of 25 points, 9 rebounds uh, in that basketball game as your team finishes strong. 19 of 20 now for the Maverick men's basketball team heading into the RMAC tournament. Yeah, it was a good week for us, you know, just to be able to, it was neither game, you know, I thought the weekend before we were a little bit uh, sort of running on fumes and weren't and as engaged as you need to be. And I just thought we had the high energy games and fought hard in both games and, and both, uh, you know, Westminster is a very good team and, and Western is very difficult to play at home and they really battled and competed the whole night. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, joining <laughs> us and uh, you take on Metro State tonight. And uh, it's been a case where uh, you've won on each other's home floor. Uh, Metro State winning here in Grand Junction back in December. And then you won at the Auraria Events Center earlier this month. So uh, home court advantage, uh, I guess, throw it out the window, right, when it comes to at least this year between you and the Roadrunners. Yeah, you got to show up and put your best effort forward on those 40 minutes. And that'll be the key for tonight. And, you know, uh, Honestly, we didn't have great energy nights either night against them, so I think it's really important for us to respond uh, with a great energy night. They're a very good team, very well coached, and it's going to take a great effort. And I'm, uh, you know, It's been fortunate for our guys to have a couple extra days here. I think they're fired up and ready. We had a good practice last night, um, but it's going to take a special effort tonight to advance in the tournament. Certainly they can score 73.2 points per game. They're ninth in the conference right now in that category. 
uh, that they allow the fourth most points per game in the conference at 76.5. Or conversely, I mean, your team's really good offensively, fifth in the conference, but uh, defensively, boy, your, your guys have just been incredible this year. 65.3 points per game. You have the best scoring defense, and so that will certainly be uh, one of the, the many matchups tonight, how you defend against uh, what they can do offensively with a guy like Tyree Randall. Yeah, they kind of had their way at their place. They were up nine. I think they scored 43 points or something in that first half against us at their place. And then we really came out with tremendous toughness and energy in that second half. And, um, you know, I, I think we held them without a field goal for the last seven minutes or so of the game. And uh, and it was key because we needed every bit of it defensively because <clears throat> they really fought hard at their end defensively and, and really provided a lot of problems for us. You know, and not just Tyree Randall. Uh, Jaden Kinnis has had a, a good season, ten points per game. Uh, Caleb McGill's been at thirteen point seven points per game, and and Braden Maldonado's been uh, you know a, a nice addition for them. The freshman at almost eight point four points per basketball game, but he's had he's been the guy that's played really well against you. Maldonado fourteen points, eleven points in those two meetings with your Mavericks this season, Mike. Yeah, he's hit, really had big shots against us. He had the key three against us here to uh, kind of put him up two possessions right at the end. Um, and then at their place, you know, we were starting to take over the game in the middle of that second half. And then he had uh, <clears throat> a big three that kind of got him uh, re-energized and, and really took the game to a 40-minute game. So, you know, he's done a great job. Caleb McGill is an all-conference level player. And we all know over the last couple of years what Tyree Randall can do and how talented he is. And uh, he loves facing us. So it'll be a big challenge again. And, you know, without Isaac Jessup, Isaac did a great job on Randall the last time. It'll change matchups a little bit and uh, really be a challenge for us. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Cutter Mesa men's basketball team with us. Mavericks open up the RMAC tournament tonight as the top seed when they take on Metro State. And, Mike, when, when you look at these two basketball games, back in December and, of course, uh, here not that long ago when you played over at the Auraria Events Center, What's been the big difference for your basketball team since that time? Has it really been the thing we've talked about a lot, and that's been how your your team has responded on the defensive end? Yeah, I, the you know we had a really bad night to open the conference season against Colorado Mines, and we had Metro the next night, and it was not a our focus became offensive because we struggled so bad offensively against Mines, and we sort of lost our way defensively in that game, and they really had their way with us in that second half. And, uh, you know, they run their Princeton offense with great pace. And so we, we were not communicating or, uh, you know, playing with the kind of toughness you need to. And, you know, I think after the big win at mine, then uh, the second time around, you know, I thought that first half we did not have that edge to us defensively, but we got it in that second half. And I think that's the formula we need to be able to follow to have success tonight. And and once again, you know, just looking at your basketball team. I mean, the the names we've talked about all season long: a Trevor Baskin, uh, a Blaze Three. They just continue to have sensational seasons. We've talked about the, the job that uh, Christopher Speller's been doing coming off the bench. But a guy that I've I've been intrigued when I've, I've called your games, Mike, is, is Ty Allred because that's a, that's a guy that I know we've probably talked about him a little bit before. That, that you know, big tall guy, six nine. He's got some range. I think he hit a couple of threes against uh, Westminster last Wednesday. He's an intriguing player because he has that ability to to, to take a big man on the outside and and really uh, you know be effective from the perimeter at times when need be. <laughs> yeah, Ty is um, you know in, if you came to our practice every day and you asked somebody who's their best offensive player, 
I think guys, what most people would say Ty is, and he hasn't got totally comfortable on the floor, but he is a dynamic offensive talent. I mean, he can really score at all three levels. He handles it like a guard. He makes decisions uh, like a guard. And then he can really shoot it. Now, his numbers haven't been great this year. It's just he's playing in such, such short stints that he just hasn't really got comfortable on the floor yet. But he's got a huge upside, and as he continues to just get a little bit stronger and, and just defend a little bit better and find a position that he can really guard, um, you know, he's going to play a bigger and bigger role in our program. And, you know, at this stage of the year, it's kind of like if there's a great matchup in there, we really believe in him and we'll give him a chance. But he needs to be able to have a defensive matchup uh, to get on the floor. But he's been key here uh, this last week coming off the bench hitting some big threes for us. Hey, Mike, I appreciate it. I'll see you tonight. Thanks again, and good luck. All right, thanks, Jim. All right, Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, taking on Metro State tonight. They split during the regular season, and uh, you can watch it on the RMAC Network, but you can also listen to the game right here on the team, CMU Sports Network. We will uh, start it out at 5 o'clock tonight. Joe V. Hill back here at the team sports desk, and uh, he'll have our uh, pregame for both the women and the men's basketball games. Women tip it off at 5.30 over at the Colorado School of Mines, and then we'll join the men's game in progress right around 7 o'clock, right after 7 o'clock with the completion of the women's game. We'll have the men's game from Brownson Arena tonight. And uh, go to the CMU Athletics website to get your tickets for that one tonight for the RMAC uh, tournament first-round game between the Maverick men and Metro State tonight. Or just listen to it right here on the radio on the team CMU Sports Network. Maverick basketball brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. All right, 940. Jim along with the Buckeye boy, and it's time to get into the dumpster. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right, anything you want to open up with here? Uh, No, I don't really have anything. Uh... <laughs> You've had all that time. You've been sitting over there. There's nothing you can find to talk about? Um, uh, Quesde Adolfo Mensa, Vikings GM, says Justin Jefferson's a high priority. Okay. So, that's there's some, that. That's, that's something. Mm-hmm. Better than nothing. Packers GM, Brian Gutekunst. Yeah. Talking about, uh, one Aaron Rodgers. Interesting. Rodgers! This guy double check! Now that, uh, Aaron Rodgers, like Punxsutawney Phil, has poked his head out of the darkness... Yep. Six more weeks of who cares. That Brian Gutekunst spoke with reporters ahead of the scouting combine in Indy. He was asked several questions about Rodgers, and he said he has no knowledge of what the star quarterback plans to do. However, Gutekunst and the Packers said they would like a resolution from with Rodgers before free agency begins March 15th. He was asked directly if he wants Rodgers back. Gutekunst, well, not exactly noncommittal. He's a great he player. He hedged. He's a great player, but until we have those conversations, I think all options are on the table. We need to have those conversations. We want what's best for the Green Bay Packers, what's best for him, so we'll get to that coming up. That's full-on shrubbery. He hedged. Yes, he did. Hedge, 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 hedge. hedge. Good also made it clear the Packers would be comfortable going into the season with Jordan Love as their starting quarterback. I think he's ready to play, and I think he's ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. And what we've seen from him, uh, he got be- he was better this he, year. He was better this year. He was better, but he's not Rogers. No, he's there. Oh, well, that's not what you were t- me talking about, about talent. Oh, but you're right. 
he does have a leg up on Rodgers in that he actually plans on being with the Packers. I don't I don't roll my eyes when I see a Jordan Love headline. And I used to like Rodgers. I used to really like him. Me too. I really kind of dug his act, right? He's just kind of this thing. And, you know, he could be the new host of Jeopardy. Yeah, go do it. Now I'm just like, oh, my God, make it stop. Anything Aaron Aaron Rodgers, make it stop. I didn't even read the article. Just make it stop. Come on, little Brett. Decide. (laughs) Brett Jr.? Yeah. Go defraud your home state of millions of dollars in welfare money. Allegedly. Allegedly. Also, Patrick Mahomes' wife, Brittany, apparently didn't like a comment made by Joe Rogan about her on his podcast. Rogan had a fellow comedian, podcast host Shane Gillis, Mike Norman, Mark Norman, excuse me, and Ari Schaefer on his podcast. I have no idea who that is. I have no idea either. Gillis brought up Brittany Mahomes and Patrick's younger brother, Jackson, and he says he has grown to love their infamous social media antics. Patrick Mahomes is a wife that's just wild, Gillis said. She's up in the box. She films herself. Patrick, obviously, he's the man. Then he's got a crazy wife and a brother up in the box doing all this bleep. Uh-huh. His wife's up there like, you thought you were going to beat us. Think again. It's the best. Rogan's producers then played a clip of the victory celebration. Mrs. Mom shared on Instagram. Rogan responded with a joke about divorce. The problem is they keep that same energy. The problem is they keep that same energy when, when you get divorced. That, they come after you with that same energy. Ooh, Brittany tweeted, it's pathetic when grown men hate on women. She did not mention Rogan by name, but it seemed obvious she was talking about him and his podcast guests. Something about grown men talking bleep about someone's wife is really weird. Actually, grown bleep men hating on women in general is pathetic. Now, I don't know the context, and I'm not going to go find out because I don't listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. Nor, Nor do I. But the one guy sounded like he was kind of a fan of it, sounded whether like he, it be sarcastic. Yeah, the Gillis guy, you know, you know. Yeah, it sounded like he actually liked her and her act. likes his idiot brother. His brother's a total idiot. And then, I don't know, I interpret Joe Rogan's as, better watch out, because if you get divorced, these fans will come back at you with that same energy, which is not necessarily anti, I don't know. I don't care. Or they get divorced and she's going to come after his money with the same? I guess. It's going to be a lot of money, though. She'll same. be fine. I just, I put that just slightly under Aaron Rodgers in the eye-rolling territory. Brittany Mahomes, oh, my God, make it stop. It's like, okay, yeah. It's like her and... Jackson her Mahomes, bro- make her bro- it stop. Her brother-in-law, it's oh. like, stop it. Stop it. Patrick Mahomes is such a good dude. You two just need to stop, yeah. okay? Stop it. And that's our show for today. Jim Rome's coming up next. Have a great day.